Good morning and welcome to Vertical Church Online. We're so glad you're here this morning. We are continuing our series, This Is My Story. Let's go to Pastor Brian to see what he has to say. My life is a series of pages. Pages filled with interesting characters, changing settings, perfectly crafted tension and resolve. There is adventure, tragedy, gain, intrigue, romance, and mystery. To others, the pages may seem confusing, out of order, and without meaning. But my life is not random. There is an author, and I know him well. There is a plot, and I rest in what he writes. This is my hope. This is my confidence. And this this is my story. Everyone loves a good story. Everyone loves it when someone comes up and says, hey, you won't believe what happened to me. Let me tell you what it is. And your ears and your eyes are all engaged in that moment. You want to hear a story. We love to read a good book. Perhaps that's not your flavor. Maybe it's podcasts for you. Maybe it's a website. Maybe it's uh, a book you've downloaded. Maybe it's a YouTube video. Maybe it's a TV show where you get your story. But one of the most immersive experiences you can go through today, if you want to get a full experience story, of course, is the theater. You go to the movies, and there you've got a screen larger than life. There you're going to have some sound larger than life as well. You're going to have an experience that's going to completely envelop you for about two hours, and you're going to be engaged in a story. Man, they've got some theaters today where you can sit back in a recliner. Yeah, you got as much popcorn as you want. You got the perfect setting. You're watching the story. Lights are off. You're focused. And there's a moment for me that's my favorite moment of going to the movies. Now, they don't do this as much as they used to. And it's not, uh, it's not the popcorn for me. It's not a good cold drink. It's not what happens at the end of the movie, the trailer. It's not all the prequels and all that stuff that comes out at the beginning, all the trailers. I get lost in all that anyway. My favorite part is what happens right before the movie begins. And you see a video clip like this. Watch this. Yeah, you know where this is going. Yeah. See, I could leave right then and be happy. I'd be like, you know, I paid my money. I got that experience. I'm done. I love that. I love that whole thing right there. Engineers, audio engineers, give themselves to making the movie experience complete. To make it so that when you're sitting there listening, and if you're in a good theater, you know this. You're, you're like hearing a twig break in the background when someone's walking up. You're feeling that aircraft when it's taken off. You're, you, you feel Luke Skywalker's, vroom, you know, you feel all that stuff. All of that you experience because the audio has been set right because they know, the audio engineers know that the audience is listening. It's part of where the story comes from. Being able to be completely immersed in it. Having a screen larger than life helps. 
but it's the audio. It's the sound of the story that gets you to the place where you are completely immersed. Our message for today is called The Audience is Listening. God is writing a story in us. He has purpose. He has intent. He has design. He's crafting your story with interesting characters. He's crafting your story with the perfect plot. He knows just the right amount of tension to bring into your story that will cause you to see his glory if you'll cry out. He knows just the right amount of antagonists to bring into your story to cause you to cry out to him and for you to experience him. Your story is not like anybody else's. It's your story. And because he writes your story, he also writes in your audience. Mm. God has intentionally placed you where you are today. The people that are part of your life are not there by chance or random coincidence. They did not evolve into your life. They have been placed there by God. They are just as much a part of his sovereign hand as your story is. God writes in your audience. Your spouse is part of the audience. Your children are part of the audience. Grandchildren, family, co-workers, friends, the people you pass on the highway or pass you on the highway, they're all part of the story. They're all part of the audience watching and waiting. They are people who are following you online. They are people who watch you during the day. They're the people you shop with. They're your friends. They're your enemies. They're part of the audience. God has crafted them into the story. They are watching your life. They're watching your responses. They're watching how you relate. They're watching what you say about your faith because they're part of the audience and God is speaking through you to them. And for that reason, you and I should know our story. We should know how God is writing it. We should know his plot line. We should know and recognize when he brings players into the story. We should know and recognize what he is about. Last week, we looked at the four elements of a good story. They aren't true just because we've seen them in literature. They're true because God is the author of story. And every great story that's ever existed is just writing the pattern of his story. God writes all stories with a beginning. And all great stories begin somewhere. They begin with the sense of hope. The Titanic sets out on a journey. Mufasa is king of the lions and Simba would one day be king. Come and listen to a story about a man named Jed. It's how it begins. That's the story. Joseph's father makes a coat for his son of many colors. All stories begin somewhere. There's a beginning. There's also a point of tension. There's a moment when there's an antagonist or there's a conflict, there's loss or there's some kind of pain. The power goes out at Jurassic Park. They see the shark for the first time and they say, we're going to need a bigger boat. The wicked witch sets out to take Dorothy's slippers and a giant goes out from among the Philistines. All good stories have a moment of tension. There's also rescue in great stories. 
The prince arrives to awaken Sleeping Beauty with a kiss of true love. Neo awakes to discover who he is in the Matrix. Marty McFly gets the DeLorean to 88 miles an hour at the just right time that the lightning strikes. And Moses says, let my people go. There's always a point of rescue in a story. And the rescue can't come until the tension comes. And after the rescue, there's always an epic transformation. There's this radical change from the beginning of the story to the end of the story. Who we meet is not who we find at the end. Luke Skywalker masters the use of the force. George Bailey realizes he has purpose and returns to his family grateful and discovers that he did have a wonderful life. The unstable and arrogant and selfish man named Peter in the New Testament becomes the rock that Jesus builds the church with. And Jesus walks out of the grave in resurrection power. There's always transformation in a story. And God is writing our story with those same elements. In your life, there are beginnings. In your life are points of tension. In your life are points of rescue. And in your life, there is epic transformation. It's important for us to all know those elements in our story. During this series, over the next two months, we're going to be taking on an assignment here at Vertical. I'm asking us as a church to be involved in something. And it's this, to understand the story that God is writing in you, write your story, and tell your story. We want to help you do that. I realize right off the bat here, you're just a little bit nervous about the fact that I even said that. But there is power and there is purpose understanding the story God is writing in your life. I believe we can learn our story. I believe we can know it. I believe we can say it. And that you can actually say it in under a minute. We will have become wise if we do this. And we'll take our church to the next level if we can understand the story that God is writing in each of our lives. So the way we're going to do that, I'll explain today as part of the message. It's going to end up later this month with you signing up to come to the church. We're going to have a camera set up, a nice little set. You'll sit down in a chair. You've already crafted your story at this point. You'll have known it, and you'll sit down and you'll tell your story. We're going to upload them online, and you'll be able to share them online. And I'm believing, our staff is believing, that there will be 80 people in our church that will do this. At least 80. 80 stories, one minute long. We believe once they're shared, they'll reach at least 300 people per person. I believe it's possible. And that in so doing, 24,000 times a story will be told from us. Wow, what an impact on our world whenever we learn to tell our story. Now, I recognize you're probably thinking, my story is not that interesting. I don't know that anybody wants to hear my story. I don't know that I could tell my story. I don't know that I want to tell my story. I don't want to reveal parts of my story. But let me remind us all of this. God is the author of your story, not you. He is the one who has written it, and if he writes it, he has a purpose for it. And in having a purpose for it, 
he intends for it to be told. If not, he would have saved you and just taken you to heaven right away. You are here today because your story is meant to be heard by someone else. God has a purpose in your story. And it's a reminder to us all today that the audience is listening. People around us are listening. So let's turn to a passage of Scripture today to help us get some encouragement and some motivation. Matthew 15 is where we are today. First book in the New Testament. Turn there. Chapter 15, the setting is this. Jesus is teaching. He's preaching. He's performing miracles. He's moving well into the peak of his ministry. But tension is mounting in his story. He has the same story that plays out in his life. There was a beginning, and the tension phase is beginning. Because at this point in the story, John the Baptist has just been beheaded. He's been killed because of his story. Tension is mounting with the Pharisees because they don't like Jesus. They don't like his message. They don't like his story. But the crowds are rushing to Jesus. They've heard what he's done. They've seen some things. And they want to find out that what they're hearing is true. They want to go see if it all is really happening, these stories they've heard. That's what we all do. You hear something, and it seems a little extraordinary. It seems a little off the charts. It seems a little grandiose. So we think, I gotta check this out a little bit. I'm just gonna Google that and just see if that's really real. Let me verify some of that. Let me hear, let me see. I wanna go meet the people involved in this thing. I wanna be a part of it. I wanna see if this stuff is really real. Great. These are what the people in Jesus' day did as well. We start in verse 29. It says, Jesus departed from there, a place where he had been, and he says he skirted the Sea of Galilee. Interesting author use word here. He skirted, he went alongside the Sea of Galilee and went up on the mountain and sat down there. That was often that Jesus would pull away from the crowds and go to the mountain to pray and to seat himself. It's good at times to pull away to think about the story God's writing, understand what he's saying, and Jesus does this. And as often was the case with Jesus, when he tried to get away, he wasn't left alone. Verse 30 says this, Then great multitudes came to him, having with them the lame, blind, mute, maimed, and many others, and they laid them down at Jesus' feet. So they didn't want to just come see the story, find out if it was true. They also brought some test cases with them for the story. They'd heard about miracles. They'd heard about Jesus' power. So they gather up a lot of people. They gather up some folks that they know had been through some pain, some loss, some tragedy, and their story was still in tension. And they bring them to Jesus and they lay them all down at Jesus' feet. And I just want you to notice here, it's great multitudes. This is an audience, a vast audience, and they are bringing people with them. It says they're bringing the lame with them. Those who are crippled, those who have difficulty walking through life. They bring the blind, those who can't see. 
They bring the mute, those who are unable to speak or hear. They bring the maimed, those who have been disfigured by some event, disease, situation in their life. And they bring many others. Wow. They bring a crowd. The crowds bring a crowd and they lay them at Jesus' feet. They want to see if the story's true. They want to see if all these things that Jesus has said, if they're really everything that they have heard that they are. And Jesus does not disappoint. Verse 30, the last part says, and he healed them. Mm. He did for them what they needed to have done. He became the rescue in the story. He did what others could not. He did what the doctors could not. He completely transformed them. He took them from what they had been and made them something new. He completely restored them. So Jesus did something in them. But notice this. In this passage, we're going to find it wasn't just what Jesus did in them. It's what Jesus is going to do through them. Because when Jesus does something in you, it's because he's wanting to do something through you. No blessing that comes into your life is meant for you just to hold on to and keep exclusively for yourself. If he does it in you, it's meant to be through you. If he does it for you, it's meant to be shared through you for someone else. So Jesus heals them, and there's an audience, if you remember. Look what happens in verse 31. It says, so the multitude marveled. In other words, they are shocked. They are in awe. They can't believe that this happened, which is fascinating to me because they are the ones who brought them to him. The ones who brought the sick, maimed, lame, blind to Jesus see him heal them and they're like, it's true. Like, well, why'd you bring him in the first place if you didn't think it was possible? But it tells me something. It tells me this, that just because we know something sometimes doesn't mean we fully are bought into it until we see it firsthand, until you hear the story up close, until you see it lived out. It's one thing to hear about what Jesus does. It's quite another to walk up into someone's life and see it actually happen in them. It was one thing to know that Jesus was in the region and they had a blind friend. It was one thing to know that Jesus had healed and they had a blind friend. It was one thing to know that Jesus had raised the dead and they had a blind friend. But it was quite another when all of a sudden they bring their blind friend to Jesus and Jesus restores their sight and they get to experience this story firsthand. That all of a sudden makes you a real believer all of a sudden because you saw it. It wasn't just a story. Now, believe me, I get it. I am one of these guys that's hyper-skeptical of a lot of stuff. Uh, my kids or Heather will tell me, hey, I saw this, and uh, wow, can you believe this? And I'm like, yeah, right. That's just my first, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> As Heather says with defeat, yes. 
I'm just skeptical about stuff like that. I just, so I get it that they brought these people to Jesus who were in extreme need, having heard that he was a healer. That's why they brought him. But like in the back of their mind, they're like, yeah, let's just see. Let's just see about this whole thing. We'll just watch here. And all of a sudden it really happens. Hey, they weren't skeptical anymore because they saw it firsthand. They saw it happen. This was someone they knew, and they watched it happen right before them. Because when you know a story like that, it really does change you. When you have a friend, a spouse, a child, and all of a sudden God works in their life, in some unusual, transforming way, and you watch them change? You watch them go from someone who's angry and bitter to someone who's forgiving and kind? You watch them go from someone who is riddled with anxiety and fear and worry to someone who is filled with trust and hope? You watch them change from someone who is so broken and so withdrawn to someone who becomes loving and expressive, you know all of a sudden God has worked. He has done something miraculous. You become a real believer in God changing people in that moment. So these folks here, when they show up and they see it happen, I get it that they marveled. Though there was a difference from the time that they thought it could happen And this moment, they all of a sudden were filled with joy. Their expectation changed to an explosion. Their hope changed to a hallelujah in that moment. Everything changed because they saw it really happen. Now, I love what happens next in verse 31. It tells us why this happened, why they marveled. Here it is. When they saw the mute speaking... The maimed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. Those are all active verbs. The one that they knew who had been maimed, who had lost a hand, a foot, who was diseased, who was withdrawn, who couldn't move, who couldn't navigate through life, when they had been maimed and all of a sudden they saw them made whole. When that moment happened, they marveled. When they saw the one who had been lame, who could not walk, when all of a sudden they saw them walking, they were actively moving through life different than they had before, they all of a sudden marveled. And when they saw the blind, those who could not make their way, when all of a sudden they were seeing, then they marveled. You see, all of a sudden these people had a story. The blind man had a story. I couldn't see. I couldn't tell where I was going. I couldn't tell who was near me. I couldn't make anything out of what was around me. They brought me to Jesus and he changed me. And now I see, I see clearly that was his story. And the story became important. The difference between the word mute 
And speaking is important. The difference between maimed and made whole is important. Between lame and walking is important. The blind seeing is important. They were one way and all of a sudden they were another. This became their story. This became what they were known for. You see, if you don't know the before and the after there's really nothing great about the story. I don't mean to diminish anyone in this passage, but just imagine if it just said they saw those who were blind, maimed, lame, and mute. We'd all be like, and? There's nothing spectacular about that. Or if the story had been, they saw those who were speaking. They saw those who were made whole. They saw those walking. And they saw those who were seeing. Nothing spectacular about that story either. They were just doing what people do. But if all of a sudden you knew, hey, that person who's walking, they used to not walk. Really? What's their story? You know that person who's seeing right now? They used to be blind. Really, what's their story? That person who's made whole right now, that looks normal to you, they used to not be that way. They used to not have a hand. They used to not have a foot. They have been made whole. Really, what's their story? Who they were and who they have been made are both important Without it, there's no great glory in the story. It takes both parts. Now, sometimes we get a little embarrassed about our story because we think, ah, I don't know if I want to say that I used to really struggle with depression. I don't know that I want to say that I used to be addicted to drugs. I don't know that I want to say what I've been through in my life. Look, God is the author of your story. And every person in here has their backstory. What Jesus has done in your life transforms your backstory into a new story. And it's when you know the back and the front end that there's great power and people begin to marvel. So we have to get past our own pride, our own fears, our own worry, and be able to know how to tell our backstory. Can you imagine if some of these folks say, hey, 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 uh, uh, Matthew, look, I know you're writing the story and all, but hey, could you leave out that part about blind? I mean, I'm just really kind of embarrassed about that blind part. Yeah, it was, it's a really dark part of my life pun intended. And so, so can you not, can you just not write that? Can you just say, there was a guy there that could see what, Hey, you know, what if some of the others said, Hey, uh, man, uh, that whole part about me not uh, walking, can, can you just, can you really leave that out? I'm afraid that'll be a stumbling block to people. So I really good. You're listening. So no, but really if they had left that part of the story out, there wouldn't be a story. There wouldn't be anything we'd be looking at and think, wow, 
Jesus did that? He really transformed them? Now, I also recognize that the other part of this story is that you look at that and think, well, you know, if I, all of a, if I didn't have a hand and all of a sudden Jesus said, hey, hand, who, you know, and I got a hand, that would be, I'd tell that story. You know, if that happened to me, boy, I would tell it. You know, if, if I couldn't walk, all of a sudden I could walk, I'd tell that story. You see, the stories of physical miracles in the Bible are not the greatest stories in the Bible. Those stories are only pictures for us to help us understand the greater stories that are written. The greatest stories are not the ones where the blind man saw all of a sudden. The greatest stories is the heart that was racked with fear and arrogance and guilt and shame and was blind to seeing God anywhere in their life, was blind to seeing the needs of people around them, was so stuck on themselves they couldn't see anybody else except the person in the mirror. And all of a sudden, that person gets changed. That person sees God. That person sees what he's done for them. That person sees the people in their lives with love all of a sudden. When that kind of blindness gets set free and they get to see and they see life as it really was intended, that's a great miracle. Amen. Amen. I'll take that any day over just someone getting to see physically. The story of someone who's mute, who's been silenced because of abuse that's happened in their past who refuses to hear today because of things that have happened to them. They have been silenced by the resentment that's come into their life. They've been silenced by the abuse that's come into their life. They've been silenced and refused to speak and they are withdrawn and they're covered in and they're covered over. When all of a sudden Jesus touches that person and they become free to speak and say, let me tell you what Jesus did for me when I was stuck in a bad place. Let me tell you, when I was stuck in a place where I had been abused, where I had been beat, where I had been sheltered, where I had been through some bad stuff in my life, and he came in and loved me and accepted me and forgave me, I got something to say. When that person speaks, that's a miracle. And that's a greater miracle than just someone physically speaking for the first time. When someone who has been maimed in their life when tragedy has taken a part of their soul, when they no longer are able to relate effectively because of loss that's happened to them, pain that's happened to them, and they've been maimed in their ability to love, to trust, when that person all of a sudden is touched by the hand of God and they once again trust God and they love and they relate and they are set free from their tragedy that they've had, that is a greater miracle. And when the one who's been lame, who can't walk by faith, who can't walk through life seeing God, when they are stuck because of what's happened to them, when they don't feel like they can move through life, trust God, trust anyone, and even see how God could use them. And that person all of a sudden experiences a touch of God in their life, and they have their sin forgiven, and they have hope restored, and they see that God has a purpose for their life, and he calls them to great statements of faith and belief, and they begin to walk in that faith. That is the real miracle. So do not... 
listen to these stories today and think, well, if that had happened to me, I'd be telling my story. Look here. You and I have had a greater thing happen to us. You and I were the ones who were blind to who God was. You and I were the ones who were lame and unable to walk through this life. You and I were the ones who have been maimed by our own selfishness and sin and guilt and regrets. You and I are the ones who have been mute, who refuse to speak, who refuse to share, refuse to open up our life, and we had our ears cut off to God. And Jesus came and touched and changed us, and we are no longer like we were. You are not the person you used to be. You have had your ears opened. You've had your feet set free. You've had your eyes open. You have been set to dancing. You have been moved, changed, redeemed, glorified, seated with the right hand of the Father. You've been changed, and now you have a story. Amen? That's a greater miracle. Don't diminish your story because it doesn't match someone else's story. Your story is written by the same author who has the same power who has the same glory, and he intends to show that glory through us. Amen? So it comes down to, really, am I just willing to share my story? Am I going to be willing to sit down and intentionally write it, understand it, talk with someone about it, and share it. Our staff sat down this past week and we began this conversation because we know if we don't lead, there won't be any followers. So we started the process. The guys all sit down this past week and we walk through our own stories. I'm going to show you a couple of them today and I'll start with mine. And I'll just admit up front, uh, I recognize I, I speak often. I should be able to sit down in front of a camera and tell a story in a minute. So I walked over pretty confident, sat down over in Main Street Center. Had his Hunter, Hunter had his stuff all set up. I sat down. Hunter said, action. I started telling my story. I finished it, felt pretty good about it. Hunter said, great. That was two minutes. I'm like, what? Two? I got it down to one? Yeah. Dad, you're going to have to cut it somehow. Whew, okay. Worked on it. I got it down to one. One is not a lot of time when you think about it. It goes quick. So I don't want you to be overwhelmed by one minute, but I want you to see my story. And I want you to watch for the elements that are in the story. Here they are. A beginning, a point of tension, rescue, and an epic difference. This is what all of our stories are going to have in them. This is what you're going to do in writing your story. Here's a beginning. There's a point of tension where the story goes dark in your life. There's a rescue, and there's a difference. Here's my story. My name is Brian Treadway, and my story begins after high school. I graduated that summer and attended a church where I received Jesus as my Savior. My life was all ahead of me, and I was excited about what He was going to do in my life. But then a day of darkness entered my story. I began to struggle with anxiety, panic attacks, and fear. I began to worry about my sins, my guilt, all that was weighing upon me, and it weighed me down. But then one day, someone told me about what Jesus had done on the cross for me. Even though I knew about him, I began to find out what he truly had done, and I found out that my sins really hadn't been taken away from me. I 
wasn't going to have to answer for them again one day. He truly set me free from all of that, and my anxiety and fear was lifted. My depression left me. And so I live today in a greater sense of confidence and hope than I've ever had before. And Jesus is the one who's made the difference. And this, this is my story. Yeah. So there you go. So I recognize that's not easy to do, but God gave me even the strength to do that in one minute, to craft it to that way. I believe every one of us can do that. It'll take a little bit of work, but you can do it. Today on your way out, you could pick up this page right here. It's a template to help you write your story. It has the four elements. There's a beginning and we're going to ask you to keep that part pretty short. In fact, on the page it says three to five seconds. That's short. You don't have to go into a long story. Well, I was born back in. You know, we don't have to do all that, you know. It's not necessary. Not that you all sound like that. But you don't have to tell, you know, well, in second grade, I remember I had a teacher. You don't have to go into all that. Three to five seconds, some place of beginning. I began my story after high school. So the next part is the tension. This is where darkness enters your story. It may have been when you were young. It may have been when you were older. You don't have to spend a lot of time on this either. In fact, 10 to 15 seconds is all you got to do. Where did darkness enter your story? What happened? Then a point of rescue, 15 to 20 seconds. My story changed when, what, what happened? Where does Jesus enter your story? This is your point of rescue. And then finally, the epic difference, another 15 to 20 seconds. Here's what's different about me today. I used to be this, but now I'm this. If you'll follow this template, sit down, think through your life, think about what Jesus has done, you can do this. You can write this story. So we're going to ask you to pick one of these up today. Sit down, write it out. Sit down with a friend, a spouse, a child, whoever you've got, and tell it. Practice it. Say it in a minute. Get it down under a minute. When you get to that point, we're going to do sign-ups. You'll be able to come to Vertical on a Sunday afternoon. We're going to assign some block periods you'll hear more about today, which you'll come up, we'll rehearse it with you, and you'll sit down in front of a set that looks just like that over in Main Street Center. Hunter's very kind, very gracious, and very helpful because between me and Matt and Caleb and Hunter, uh, we averaged about five or ten minutes per person on telling our stories. Because we'd start and be like, my name is Brian Trudaway, and I grew up in a pickle, you know, or something. You know, I have some kind of slip of your words or whatever, you know. And you're like, oh, start over, start over, start over. That happens. It's going to happen. You're going to say something you didn't mean to say. Or you're going to get halfway in your story, and you're going to forget. And it's going to be okay. You're going to make it through. We're going to start over with you. To be, we'll be gracious and walk with us together through this process. So you'll take this home today. You'll write it out. You'll practice it. You'll come up and you'll do your story. Okay? Let me show you Hunter's. He recorded his story. His is different than mine, obviously. So listen to Hunter's story. My name is Hunter Treadaway, and my story begins raised in a pastor's home and as a middle child of five. Darkness really entered into my life at the early years of high school as I felt like I was alone, rejected, and couldn't fit in with anyone. Jesus came and changed my story and pointed out to me that I don't find acceptance with everyone here. I find acceptance with Him, and He brings me love and brings acceptance into my life. So my life is different now. I get to take that same joy and love and share it with other people. Whenever I see someone who feels like they're alone, 
I get to bring that love to them and point out that their life can be different. And this, this is my story. Yeah, good job. Cool. Hunters was right at 40 seconds. So it doesn't have to be a full minute. If you practice yours at home and you hit 35 seconds, great. That's awesome. This was Hunter's story. And Hunter's the one who makes it look so, like, incredible. Like, we're not movie stars by obviously any means, but Hunter makes you look like you're just like, oh. So that's, that's just what he does. You know, the great lighting and the music in the background. You feel like, I'm in Titanic. You know, oh. It, it just... You just feel like you're invincible in this moment. That's, but that's what we can do with your story. Hunter and the group can do that. So I'm just so excited about the potential of this. Not just, not just for what it does out there, but for what it will do for every one of us in here so that you know your story. So that you recognize the characters that come into it you recognize God's hand in it. You recognize what he's doing. When you can recognize that, you will get to a new place of confidence in your story. And it will make a difference in those around. So, back to our story from Matthew. The people marveled at those lives who were changed. The ones who could not hear or speak, all of a sudden have their ears and mouth opened. Those who could not walk, all of a sudden are walking. They are changed. I love how this little story ends. Verse 31, it says, and they, the crowd, the audience, glorified the God of Israel. Because they heard someone's story, they all of a sudden glorified God. You look at people in your family today and you think, man, I wish they could just know what I knew. You look at the culture around us today and we all say, I wish they could know what we know. Amen? Do you know how they're going to get to know what we know? By us telling our story. We can post it on Facebook that Jesus saves We could buy banners and put it on Highway 35. But the real difference is made when the audience in your life hears your story because you become the one who's the connecting point. All of a sudden, it's not just something they've heard about. It's something they are seeing up close and personal from you. I love how this story ends. They glorified the God of Israel. The audience was changed because the audience was listening. For that reason, you and I should never downplay our story. Don't say, well, I mean, my story's not all that great. I mean, I was just saved as a child and then I just lived. No, there's a story there. Don't downplay it. You're talking about the God of all creation who sent his son to redeem your life. Why would you downplay that story? Don't downplay it. Don't discount it. Don't say, well, I don't think anyone would really be interested. Nobody thinks my story is significant. 
Don't discount your story. It's Jesus who died for you to have a story. It's Jesus who walked out of the grave victorious so you could have a story. Don't downplay it. Don't discount it. And don't diminish it. Don't say, well, it's really not that big a deal. I mean, you know, it's just not that big a deal. I mean, come on. It's just... No, you have been saved, redeemed, rescued. A plot line has been written for you. The author of your salvation has written. Do not discount what he has written. And then never deny an opportunity to tell your story. Say, well, it'd just be a little awkward. It'd just be a little weird. I mean, they might laugh at me. They might reject me. They might. They might also be challenged. They might also find that moment of hope they've been looking for. They might also marvel at what they hear. They might also glorify the God of all creation because you told your story. And that is why we should never downplay, discount, diminish, or deny the story that God has written in us. Jesus himself said, let your light so shine among men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. They will glory when they hear our story. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, We recognize that you are the author of salvation. You are the one who holds the pen of our story. You are the one who is actively writing, and you are the one who has redeemed us, seated us in heaven with you, forgiven us our sins, called us sons and daughters, blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies, and we are no longer what we used to be. I pray we would have the boldness, the motivation, and the desire to know our story and tell our story. Because there's a culture today. There are people in our family today. There are people around us today who need to see a reason to glory, who need to see hope who need to see life, who need to see that there are answers, who need to see a reason to live for tomorrow, who need something fresh in their life, and it comes from what you've done in us. So I pray we'll have a heart that's willing, willing to know our story and tell our story. And we start there today with a willing heart. God, write in us, write through us, because you've crafted an audience that's listening. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. What a beautiful message this morning from Pastor Brian about This Is Our Story. Hit like and subscribe below, and we'll see you next week.